looking at Isaiah 9 verses 2 through 7 this morning, but just to kind of preface our time since we have the privilege of meeting and gathering to worship and reflect upon the significance of Christmas, uh, we're going to just think about what Christmas is all about. If you were to ask your kids, or maybe some of your family right now, what is Christmas all about? Is it about showing love or about showing generosity? Is it about family time or charity or even the celebration of a birth? My aim and hope this morning is that we'll be able to answer some of these questions by looking at God's Word. So if you have your Bibles or you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to be in Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. This is what God's Word says to us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you pray with me as we reflect on God's word? Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you for your mercy toward us in Christ. We ask, Lord, that this morning, this Christmas morning, as we reflect upon the great gift that has come in Christ, Lord, that you would bless us with eyes to see and ears to hear of what is truly the most significant aspect of what we celebrate at this time of the year. When we think about what Christmas is really about, Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Be with us. Bless those that are watching. Bless those that have gathered in person. Lord, use this for your glory and our good. Amen. So, as we typically do, we're going to work through the passage of Scripture, looking at Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7, trying to answer the question, really, what is Christmas about? Many of you probably have an idea or maybe even have an answer, and so this will be a good refresher for you. But for those of you that know that we celebrate Christmas, but don't know exactly what we're celebrating, I pray this would be a fresh study in time for you as well. The first thing that we notice in the second verse is that Christmas is about God's triumph over sin. Now you may be thinking, I don't want to think about sin on Christmas morning, but if you're a sinner and the good news is that God has triumphed over it, then Christmas is wonderful news for you as well. In this particular context in the book of Isaiah, the people's sin had led them into anguish, Specifically, the people had abandoned God's word in favor of looking for God's will in other ways. They were looking to pagans and different types of things that were available to them in this culture. You can see a little bit more about this in Isaiah 8. But instead of seeking God's counsel in light of this coming captivity that they were going to endure, they looked elsewhere. They were seeking insight into their situation from God's instead of trusting the one true God. And to not trust the one true God is fundamentally to sin. All of our sin is rooted in unbelief. Every sin that we commit begins either with an implicit or an explicit questioning of God, thinking that he does not know. And the result of such questioning is anguish, 
Sin leads to destruction and anguish. There's no such thing as just a minor sin, a white lie we may have been told growing up. When we sin against a holy God who is majorly holy, it's always something that separates us from Him. So what does this holy God do in light of our sin? If you were that holy God, you might would crush those people that had sinned against you and rebelled against you, the people that ought to be appreciative and grateful for what you have done. Yet what does God do according to our passage? He shows mercy and grace. Whereas in a times past, God allowed his people to feel the full brunt and gloom of their sin, there would be no more gloom. A light of mercy and grace would shine upon those people that insisted work walking in darkness. It's an awful picture. You know, we have so much um, artificial light, it's even hard for us to imagine what it would be like to live in darkness. I was reading an article a few years ago, um, this idea of this Norwegian Arctic region. Just picture this. The land is covered in darkness from somewhere in October until late January. That sounds awful. Like, I I get upset when it turns dark at 5.45 or 6 o'clock. Can you imagine living in darkness from October to January? You can imagine how depressing such an existence would be. You think about our winters here in Texas and how depressing they can be because we don't like, we, sometimes we don't really get an actual winter. If we do, it's just wet, uh, cold, uh, rain. But these people are described as living. Darkness is all they've really ever known. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, a light has shown. I'm sure for some, that light is kind of scary at first because they're so accustomed to the darkness, as John 3 would say. But eventually what the light does is it shows them their desperate need for the grace of God. In all of these people's efforts to gain insight into their situation, the issues related to their sinful unbelief. The people went deeper and deeper into darkness, yet God triumphs over this sin of unbelief and his shining light blesses them. He shines his great light upon them that they might see the condition that they're in. One Old Testament scholar by the name of John Oswald writing on the book of Isaiah, commenting on these specific verses, says, when every human attempt to bring light has failed, then God will bring light, not because he must, not because human craft has discovered the key to force him, but he does so out of his grace. Brothers and sisters, Christmas is not about Santa knowing whether or not we've been naughty or nice, because the reality of it is we've all been naughty. We've all been seekers of darkness in sinful unbelief. Yet God triumphs over our sin by revealing the light of his mercy and grace to us. He reveals to us our sin in order that we might turn away from it and turn to him for forgiveness. So Christmas, at least initially, is about God's triumph over our sin through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. The second thing, though, is it's not only about God's triumph over our sin, but also our sorrow. We see this spelled out in verses 3 through 5. Though we've already kind of alluded to it, verses 3 through 5 make it clear that in triumphing over sin, he also triumphs over our sorrow. In verses 3 through 5, Isaiah employs language of redemption, speaking not only of an increase of joy and rejoicing, but also of a freedom from oppression. Notice what it says, that he has broken the rod 
of the oppressor. He has taken away the yoke that has burdened us, the bar across their shoulders. It reminds me of the O Holy Night. Chain shall he break. For the slave is going to be set free. For the slave now is our brother. His law is love and his gospel is peace. This reminder of what God has done in this Christmas season through the giving of his son in setting us free. But you say, I've never been enslaved to anything. I don't even know what this passage is talking about. But do you know that what Jesus says in John 8, 34 is true of you, just as it is of me? It is that outside of Christ's redeeming mercy and deliverance, Anyone who practices sin is said to be a slave to sin. As such, we need more than just forgiveness of sins. We need freedom from sin, and with freedom comes joy. We need someone, as the song goes, to break our chains so that all oppression will cease. Christmas is not so much about gifts as it is about the gladness of the unshakable salvation of God. So Christmas... It's about God's triumph over our sin. It's about God's triumph over our sorrows. But where does this salvation come from? How is it that our God triumphs over our sin and our sorrow? Verses 6 through 7 tell us. Christmas is about God's triumph through His Son. For unto us a child is born. Unto us. For unto us a son is given. God triumphs over our sin and our sorrow through His Son. According to verses 6-7, through a child is born, a son is given, who fulfills the promises given to David to rule over God's people in God's place as God's appointed king. According to these verses, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, will counsel God's people as the very revelation, the Word of God. He will exercise His mighty power as God for their benefit. He will be like a father to them, showing care and concern. And His rule will result in peace, both in their hearts and in the world. Now, while these verses in Isaiah do not immediately reveal to us who this son is, multiple New Testament authors pick up this theme and apply it explicitly to Jesus. Think about how Matthew speaks of Jesus in Matthew 4.16, that Jesus is the light that dawns on the people dwelling in darkness, picking up specifically on this verse. Think about how in Matthew 11, verses 29 through 30, Jesus is the one who gives rest to the weary, the burdened down, who have been oppressed by their sin and their sorrow. Think about how Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33, speaks of Jesus, that Jesus is the one called the Son of the Most High, who will sit on the throne of his father, David. Then in Luke 2, 11, Jesus is the Savior and the Lord who is born in the city of David. And then what about peace? Ephesians 2, 14, Jesus is the one who brings peace both between us and God and us and others. You see, the point of Christmas is not first and foremost about our love, our generosity, our family time, or even our charity. And all of those things are good things, but all of... Those things, their goodness is derived from a greater reality, which is that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save us from our sin and our sorrow. As Jesus said at His first coming, or as John said about Jesus in His first coming, 
in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The true light, which gives light to everyone who is coming into the world, he was in the world, and his own people did not receive him. In other words, many people were rejecting God's light again, just as they did in Isaiah 8. They preferred their own wisdom over the ways of God's wisdom and ways. However, not all rejected the light. And according to John 1, verses 12 through 13, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's what Christmas is about. It's God's triumph over our sin and our sorrow through his Son and everything else is the cherry on top, the whipped cream on top, the, the, the sweetness that we enjoy on a Christmas morning is a reminder of a father that gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's the offer of the gift that is made to you this morning as we refocus upon the significance of Christmas. It is to refocus us to quit scouring through the darkness and loving the darkness, but instead look for a solution in Christ instead of in our restlessness and our weariness and our sorrow and our sin. Look to the one. For just as sure as Jesus was born, we can know that forgiveness and freedom is offered to us today. My prayer is that by the grace of God, the light that dawned on Bethlehem will dawn on you and your family as well so that you might know the joy and gladness that Christmas really is all about. The forgiveness of your sin and the removal of your sorrow as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is lifted up. Will you pray with me? As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equipped for Good. Thanks for listening.